What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so here lately, the, the audio quality just hadn't quite been what I would hope for. So I did a few things different to try to fix it. You might notice the seating arrangement's different. Mm -hmm. Typically, it's me on one side of the table and the Lee and the guest on the other side of the table. And I think my audio is always pretty good because I'm looking directly at mm -hmm. everybody, right? But when Lee and the guest, so you two, if you were sitting next to each other, when you would talk to each other, you would I was turn. Doing this one. Yeah. yeah, you would turn and, and look at each other and then turn away from the microphone. Right. So that was causing the audio to kind of drop off a little bit. And uh, those headphones I had been using, you know, I kept hearing like this clicking noise. And I was thinking to myself, I used a permanent marker today just to make sure I didn't click it. Well, and I, I didn't bring a clicky pen last time. Well, it's those headphones. They have a little bit of a click and a pop. They make a little noise when, when they move. Because that's what Nathan was saying. Please quit clicking your... Yeah, it was those headphones. So that's why you guys aren't using headphones today. I am, because I don't want any clicking from those headphones. So I just put on a pair and I won't click. Don't have to worry about that. And also, something different. All of our audio had been coming across on one channel, which gives me no ability to adjust any levels. You know mm. what I mean? So now I have our audio going different places. So I'll import. It's going to be a little bit more work for me, but should have much better sound quality. So if you're listening to the podcast right now and it sounds better... There you go. Send us five dollars. Thanks. No, you don't have to send. Actually, <laughs> okay. I'm just going to leave that there. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. And honestly, most of this is stuff that could be fixed with a few thousand dollar investment. But I could probably just work a little bit harder and, and change a few things around. Work harder and smarter, and not have to spend the money. So that's what we're doing. We're trying something different today, and hopefully, I can't listen to the podcast right now. But hopefully, in the, the end result, I mean, it sounds a lot better. So. Now that that's out of the way, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, who we got today. Zach Danks is the guest. He's on with me, Chase Winnegar, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host of the podcast. How's everyone doing? There you go. And Zach, uh, you've been on before. Yeah. And you yeah, actually sure. do quite a bit with Kentucky Field here. I mean, you were just on the live call-in show last week. So mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and tell your position real quick. Yeah, so I'm a wild turkey program coordinator for Kentucky Fish and Wildlife. That's basically the, the turkey biologist so you're in charge of all the turkey stuff that's right and rough grouse too and rough grouse but today we're obviously here to talk statewide turkey. for turkeys yep. yeah and i mean turkey season's right around the corner that's kind of mm -hmm. why we're gearing up and also like you said you were on the live call-in show last weekend mm -hmm. and you know we get so many questions during the show we just can't get them all answered so i have a stack of questions that were not answered Ooh, and yeah. we're going to go through some of those today and hopefully right. get some more it's answers like out working overtime some of them are pretty good i was surprised yeah. like one or two of the questions i was thinking to myself well, i want to know the answer to that question there's some good ones but hmm. before we get into that is there anything just right off the top you want to go ahead and get out there um just i always say pattern shotgun yeah uh scout mm -hmm. and uh, don't overlook public land opportunities. Are there any big uh, changes, reg changes? This no, year? no reg changes. Okay. No, still the same. Two bird, two bearded bird bag limit. I saw about a hundred turkeys in a field yesterday. That's a guess. I would say it's pretty, pretty good guess. And there was like ten strutters. I mean, yeah. I was driving down the interstate and about made my head explode. Have you heard gobbling yet? Well, my turkey gobbles every day. Hmm. The other day, I mean, and he's just started progressively gobbling over the past two weeks, probably. You know, it's like. He's bugging me at 5.30 in the morning now. He's right out there and just gobbling his head off every time my rooster crows. It's like anything that makes noise at all will just make him gobble. So every time I shut a car door, anything like that, he's going. Hammer's on. Like the other day, he was uh, laying in the driveway. He's just laying there. I'm not sure why. 
and I honk the car horn and he hammers off and I honk it again and again. And I mean, he was like, he's my little puppet, you know, every time I can make him do whatever I want. And, uh, my dog started going crazy, just barking and, and going at the window. And I went and looked out the window and there was a wild turkey in my yard, uh, probably a week ago. Mm. I thought maybe he'd come in there and try to get, try to get a piece of Tom, but he didn't. So. He did. Huh? No, he stayed about 50 yards away. It was kind of cool. It'd be an interesting matchup, you know. But, yeah, but to see thirty-five pound domestic turkey versus a That's right. wild turkey. He's probably got his teeth cut a little bit harder out there. So probably, I'd put my probably. money on wild turkey. Tom, mm, I would a, too. Tom is a wuss. I mean, my little chicken runs him off the yeah. feed every time it doesn't want him on there. So huh. let's see. <laughs> I swear that turkey but, doesn't know how big he is. Have you heard a wild turkey gobbling? No, but I'm sure they are. Yeah, I've heard, I've, I've heard some sporadic reports of people saying they heard, recently heard. Yeah. So there are a few things I want to talk about with you, Lee, but I think while we got Zach here, we should probably go ahead and knock out the turkey stuff. I went on a shoot the other day I think you would have really enjoyed. A rollover boat. You know what I'm talking about? No. A rollover boat? It's an old duck hunting boat. Mm. It's like a Kentucky item. And uh, you literally roll it on its side. And you look like a log drifting down the... Oh, okay. You heard of that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I might show you some footage later. I mean, it's a really cool idea, but I'll come back to that here in a little bit because I, I did. I thought you would enjoy that. So, All right, let's just go ahead and jump into these questions. Uh, first one, Frank from Harrison County. Why do multiple gobblers always gobble at the same time? Part of their competitive nature. I mean, there's a lot of... There's research out there that shows uh, on days when birds are gobbling, lots of them are gobbling. They influence each other. I mean, it's just part of their natural tendency to compete for the right to breed. Is there any truth to the, to the shock gobble idea? Because, I mean, like I said a minute ago, if I honk my yeah, car Yeah, that's horn, essentially my, what's happening. Yeah, yeah, my turkey can't help it. He has to gobble. Yeah, it's just a physiological reaction to yeah. the stimulus, which is a, another gobble, a car door, whatever, thunder. I mean, you name it, you know. So they could be potentially shock gobbling to each other. Oh, I think so they I mean, are. The Definitely. first one gobbles, mm-hmm. the other two just can't. You know how when you've got, you, I well, mean, the last bird I shot yeah. two years ago, gosh, we had, had three coming in, and they were all just, bah, 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 all, right, all together, and it was like hair-raising Oh yeah, because they were shock, shocking at each other. That's awesome. So much. Oh, I love yeah. seeing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Ray from Pulaski County. Is it common to see albino turkeys? I wouldn't say common. Uh, also, wouldn't say unheard of. Yeah, but they're. I'd also don't. Uh, I, I guess let me take that back. I would say it is uncommon for true al, albino alba, yeah. albinism in turkeys, but the the white color phase would be much more common. Like or grayish or smoky turkey. or reddish brown, whitish. Yeah, I used to see a lot of those in Madison County. And I didn't know if it, it was where some domestic turkeys maybe got mixed in there. There's definitely a, in the natural gene pool. Just so. a pigmentation deviation yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But if it is Black a genetic mel- trait. Like melanistic means, phase of other stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just a gen- recessive genetic trait that gets expressed sometimes. So, so since, since it's a recessive genetic trait, I mean, it, if you find it in an area, it's more likely to be common mm-hmm. in that Local. area than mm-hmm. any dominant traits, you know, might take over elsewhere. Right. But, and then, Okay, that's interesting. I would almost ask you... If there was any statistics on the percentage of birds that were albino, that's not something I've never seen any. It's it's so infrequent that it mm-hmm. would be hard to really ever get those unless you, you know, just because it's hard for state agencies to man- maintain databases like that uh, with any kind of systematic regular data collection. Well, the know. reason I thought to ask that is because I did see the statistics on percentage of bearded, 
bearded hens. Mm-hmm. I think that was like one percent of all turkeys is a bearded hen. Yeah, and that's from so that's from um, usually that's from research projects. Yeah. You know where you you take a sample, you catch turkeys, and you're catching a sample of that local population, yeah. and it's common enough that you can get bearded hens in a sample like that. Yeah. So it might be one out of a hundred turkeys that they banned and radio collar, but uh, one of the color phases is much rarer than yeah. that. So it'd be very difficult yeah. to ever put a credible estimate on that. I think the reason I was thinking 1% is because actually last year did the math. I looked at our harvest data. The harvest definitely is, it's actually a little less than 1% really? last season. And it's typically about that, about yeah. around 1%. And that's assuming that anybody who has an opportunity to take a beard or tan is actually going to do it. <clears throat> There's yeah. probably some people out there that don't want to waste that time. Right, so it could be maybe double that. I have seen some literature that, that speculates it can be as much as 10% in oh, our really? population. That's probably just another no. genetic trait like the yeah. like the albino gene. Mm-hmm. I know that Jameson in the other room in there, I mean, his goal every turkey season is to take two mature toms. Yeah. I think he's a guy that would probably pass a beard or ten if he got the opportunity because he wants those yeah. toms. You know right. what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to say not every turkey hunter would take a beard or ten. I would, personally. But Yeah, I wouldn't take it until probably very last of the season if I knew it could yeah. go. So. Well, it just depends. I mean, some people as, would probably think that's yeah. cooler than other people probably do. As turkey biologists, uh, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to do anything to reduce the breeding population. That's so, true. That's true. Uh, but uh, like I said, unless it was last day. Robert yeah. from Jefferson County, how can you locate a roost? Uh, you got to do, like I said, you got to be scouting. Yeah. Best way is in the afternoon. Uh, watch them go to roost. Yeah. And that can be super productive. It can also be an immensely frustrating mm-hmm. when you put them, quote unquote, put them to roost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next morning you slip, try to slip in there and it doesn't work out for whatever reason. But otherwise, uh, there, it's not going to be too far typically from areas with lots of scratching. So when you're out scouting, you find some areas torn up, scratched likely a roost long long in there i'm lucky my turkey hunting spot is uh it's it's a huge field and it has a big vantage point right in the middle of it there's a barn up there so i can go up on that into that barn and i can see 600 yards in every direction mm-hmm. and there's a creek that wraps around it and i can pretty much on any afternoon locate some turkeys in that field and so last year that's what i was doing i was going out there and i was putting them to bed and I'd wa- i watched these turkeys fly up i remember this it was two days in a row i watched the the turkeys fly up to roost and i said all right tomorrow morning i know where i'm gonna be <clears throat> and i set up on them and when they flew down they just went the other way they didn't come to me that it was when it was real cold it was like 27 degrees and snowing last year mm-hmm. and I, i'm not sure they were being extremely active like coming into decoys and things like that maybe i just stink at calling i don't know but they went the other way that afternoon i went back out put them to bed again next morning i set up according to where i saw them go the day before and it worked out mm. so i mean putting them to bed is really effective but like you said it doesn't always work out they don't always right. come your way when they mm-hmm. when they fly down let's see evan from shelby county what is the best velocity for turkey hunting ammunition oh gosh i haven't looked, looked at the ballistics, ballistics chart for shot, shot shells in a long time i wouldn't even know i mean would you say that uh, the faster the better i mean it's probably highly variable. I mean, these new loads that they've got now, mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're... They're all fast anymore, you know. Yeah. I would I would hate to say just because, like I said, these new shot shells and different alloys and stuff are uh, going to be quite different than lead and 
and I, I don't know. I'd hate to. Copper plated magnum blow is going to get it done, don't you think? Oh yeah. Well, that's it what was. you said earlier. I mean, pattern your shotgun. That's the mm-hmm. most important thing. Yeah, pattern your shotgun, and I, I think I mentioned this the other day on the TV show. But um, these with these new loads, uh, I think they offer really nice potential to and you're talking possibly about increase lethality. Yeah, like these uh, tungsten, tungsten, yeah. these TSS Federals. Um, they're right now pretty expensive. I, I just don't know the average hunter is going to bite on it, but may, maybe as time goes on, the price will come down. But um, <clears throat> you know, hopefully they will result in cleaner, quicker kills. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that comes the temptation to spread Start. that range, and then you're negating uh, probably any any advantage you would have gained by either the speed that those shells impart, if that's the advantage, or if it's just the ballistics of the individual pellets i, yeah, that, I really can't you, comment on it i don't know when you say the ballistics of the individual pellet it's kind of how it density. deforms yeah and that's going yeah, to say density. pattern density and then the, of the actual because shot itself. the way i understand it and you i'm sure you know a lot more about this than me it you're it's a denser load than lead right so yeah. because yeah, it's it smaller a, mm-hmm. it's because it has a higher density you're able to shoot smaller pellets and still get good penetration and mm-hmm. energy out at a far distance mm-hmm. and because you can shoot smaller pellets that means you get more pellets mm-hmm. so it's kind of like just a smother job right mm-hmm. compared to your old shot that's and people talk really highly about it that i hear but i never have shot them, so i haven't either yeah too expensive for me mm-hmm. and back to the original question yeah i would assume the equation works out to greater speed but yeah. just don't know that uh, i have no idea either i think it really comes down to what pattern's best in your shotgun because that's what I you're agree. looking for right absolutely all right bud from davis county will kentucky ever do a lifetime license again no. i personally don't like the idea that's I, just my opinion i doubt it highly doubt it in this this era um i don't want to say the agency's greedy because we're truly not yeah but i, I just don't know that there's a real big incentive in place for it at this point i mean that's something that has nothing to do with any of us either no no i don't say commission public we're just totally i'm totally speculating here yeah that's so beyond us but yeah that's it's an interesting question for sure because it doesn't come down to any of us we all we can do is speculate but my personal opinion is that i hope it doesn't it's a cool idea like if i lived in tennessee where they do offer that like that'd have been a great present from a parent or grandparent didn't we have a neighboring state that did it and then took it away think tennessee or is it indiana i thought indiana had a life and they took it away i know georgia does i don't know because uh sangster always talks about how he missed out on buying it when he was there but mm-hmm. anyway, I, you know I, personally i think it's uh, I, I don't know if, if more hunters understood where their license dollars go mm-hmm. i think they might not be as worried about getting a deal like that yeah. and you already get such a deal with the privilege that comes with yeah. a sportsman's license for mm-hmm. example my goodness that in this era of shrinking hunter numbers, mm-hmm. I mean, as a sportsman myself, I'm more than willing to pay my $9,500, whatever, you know, a sportsman's license, because I know it goes to support an agency with lots of good folks working hard for these sportsmen. And obviously I'm biased because I work for the department. Yeah. But, you know, even if I were in another job and knew that, I think it would make me a lot less likely to lobby for a, you know, you know something like that. So. Yeah, it's just people who understand where the what's actually going on. Yeah, I think so. I mean, so. if you put it into perspective, last night I took my girlfriend out to dinner, and it was seventy bucks after a tip. All right, that's twenty five dollars short mm-hmm. of what my annual hunting license cost. I mean, I bought mm-hmm. the sportsman's. 
I got half of that food, okay? And yeah. I ticked her off at dinner, so she was mad at me. Okay, there you so, go. So that's not that's good. I'm saying. For considering the money, I mean, I would much rather spend my money on uh, being able to hunt and fish for an entire year. Mm-hmm. Lots of species yeah, there. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I spent so much time. species included, yeah. Yeah, I spent so much time outside. We were Even your trout stamp. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was, that's that's right. was going to say. We were yeah. out of creek yesterday. I picked up the, the rod and was trout fishing off that sportsman's license i mean it's just a it's a great deal 95 bucks it's hard to beat what you get as far as how you can entertain yourself for an entire year Mm -hmm. did you catch any caught some i fished uh, otter creek and floyd's fork yesterday Mm. and uh, otter creek obviously better for trout we caught like a a nice healthy brown trout there Mm. and then Mm. at floyd's um just smallmouth rock bass spots Mm. stuff like that all right michael from harlan county how is the population in eastern Kentucky? Well, um, like the rest of the state, they've kind of taken a hit with bad hatches the last couple of years. But last summer's brood survey seemed to be up in eastern Kentucky. Okay. So from the data we have, we don't have tons of, of uh, sample uh, locations out that way. It's just really hard to observe turkeys in rugged mountains. But from yeah. all we can gather, I'm, I'm hoping that populations will be on the increase. Talk a little bit years. about the difference in the terrain across the state and how that actually affects turkeys. Because obviously there's more turkeys in some areas than others. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the terrain plays a role in that. Yeah. Um, mainly as it relates to agriculture mm-hmm. and the sort of mix of agriculture and forest conditions mm-hmm. that turkeys really thrive in. I mean, the, if you had to write up a recipe for turkeys, it's going to have a pretty even mix of woods and crop fields and pasture fields and weedy old fields growing up. They need all that stuff to really uh, sort of reach their maximum population densities in any one area. And, and East Kentucky just, because of the steepness, and it just can't support the same amount of open ground, it's still got turkeys and good turkey hunting to be had. Uh, can be hard turkey hunting, but, but they've got turkeys that just probably all things equal won't, won't reach the densities that you could get in central and uh, western Kentucky, you know, and, and the same could be true for wide open croplands mm-hmm. where, the, you know, the, the tree cover is limited to drainages and swamps and um, and you just got vast crop fields. I mean, there it's like flipping the switch too far in the other direction. So That uh, property I said I saw 100 turkeys on there day. I'll tell you where it is. I mean... I don't think anybody can hunt there. Do you know where Whitney M. Young Job Corps is in between Simpsonville yep. and Louisville? You know what I'm talking about? Yep. No, not out that way. Much. It's on 60. Yeah, well, it was 64 is where I saw the birds from. Mm-hmm. But that has probably, there's horse farms, there's mm-hmm. croplands. It was a cornfield last year. There's big grown-up draws and ditches, mm-hmm. and there's a decent amount of woods there. I mean, it's really diverse. When you were saying that, I was just thinking in my mind, that, I mean, it has it all. It's yeah. a if you took a square mile, it's probably one of the most diverse square miles you could you could imagine. So it really does take a little bit of everything. And I think that's probably why I saw those turkeys there. I mean, they probably all just came out into that field because of prime conditions. But I'd say the density is probably really high. I see them going to Louisville in that region all the time. In that yeah. stretch of 64, I see turkeys all the mm-hmm. time. Let's see. Tom from Clay County. This is a perfect question for you. Do turkeys tear up grouse nest? Get that question a lot. Uh a lot of speculation around it. In general, no. In general, it's not going to affect population. Has it ever happened in the history of time? Sure. I would bet that it has. Okay. There's a lot of things that have happened over history. Does it happen routinely? No. It just 
It's not going to. Why would that happen? I don't know. It's a good question. I, you know, it would. I assume they're saying that because turkeys scratch, it stands to reason that they would walk by and scratch up a a nest of eggs or uh, a hen on a nest and just you know kill her or something. I've got heard all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're gonna. They just don't have the instinct typically with other species. I mean, sometimes you'll see them run deer out of a field and all that, but it's not like they go seeking these things out. Yeah, so I just find it hard to believe, especially now with grouse being at as low densities as there are, that this would be a, a problem. Plus, the two species have, you know, co-wingled throughout time. So, you know, it's Don't not like, yeah, well, similar, but different enough that, you shouldn't have a lot of them in the same areas okay. all the time. You know, turkeys will use grouse habitat a little bit, but and grouse will use turkey habitat a little bit, but there's there's some separation there. I just don't think it would be a, a major, major thing. See, I don't know much about grouse, so. Well, and plus there's been, I mean, I hear that a lot, and I, we just don't have evidence. I mean, nobody gets pictures. They don't let us know. That we're, it's just not something that's documentable. Uh, not say it doesn't ever happen, like say, but there's a lot of things in nature that happen, but kind of on a freak, freakish type. Yeah. Very once in a blue moon. That's true. Yeah. All right. Rick from Davis County. If hand loading shotgun shells, is it legal to hunt with a duplex shell, four and six size shot? Yes. Yes. But you cannot, you couldn't use a four and a two. I've seen that combination. So it needs to be, as long as the, the hunter has to pull it out of his vest. Yeah. As long as it would fall under legal if they were separate. Right. Which is no larger than a four. And no smaller than a six deal or did that change? There's no upper limit for as far as how small they can be. Okay. And that changes because there used to be four to six was what was legal, right? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I haven't okay. looked back. I don't, I've never used anything but a Four, five, or six myself. I, I so. five. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's the best of both worlds. You get more pellets in a four, but a little more knockdown power than a six. I'm, I'm no expert. That's just what I've always shot, so it's kind of what I've stuck with. Mm-hmm. Let's see. This is something I have no idea about. Sean from McCracken County. What were the results on the, I can't read that word, some kind of study in Livingston and Crittenden County? Mm-hmm. So you, I'm sure you, you know what he's referring to. Yes, yeah. Last spring we had a, Kind of like a check station in Salem, Kentucky, right on the Critton and Livingston mm-hmm. line. And uh, we gathered up 29 turkeys hunters were kind enough to bring in. I mean, it was really great. They showed a lot of interest. Uh, unfortunately, we still haven't got the full results back. Okay. We've, we've gotten, so they've gotten through the uh, uh, gross necropsies or autopsies of the birds, and they all looked fine, super okay. healthy. Uh, but uh, which wasn't surprising because none of the hunters reported anything strange with the birds they shot. But it's all the internal testing. That stuff we're still waiting on. And, you know, it's just a, they're a busy, busy lab. I mean, they service states all over the eastern United States for sick animals and deer are big. And so when deer season comes in and, and uh, state agencies are collecting these CWD, chronic mm-hmm. wasting disease samples, mm-hmm. I think that, that gets put to the top of the list. I'm not saying that's what it is. It just takes a while because of the tests they run and their limited staff. So, again, I keep telling people to be patient. I'll let you know as soon as, as soon as we know something. But I expect something in the next month or two. All right, that sounds good. I uh, actually helped contribute a little bit with the CWD samples, not personally, but um, I saw a roadkill deer really close to headquarters here, 
And I called Kyle Sams, and he went up there and picked it up and did a CWD sample on it. And he got me a uh, permit to keep the deadhead. It was a buck. So he gave it to me, and I put it out in my yard. And I came home the next day, and it was gone. No idea where it went. I'm assuming an animal drug it off. But I just kind of thought I'd put it out there and let it yeah. clean it, clean itself up a little bit. I don't, I don't get puppy up, huh? Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah. I don't think anybody saw it. You couldn't see it from the road. I think that a <clears throat> raccoon or a coyote mm-hmm. or something like that came back there and stole my deadhead. Snatched it. He, I mean, he doesn't have a permit for it, though. So if I That's right. Him, yeah, he's a legal coyote. <laughs> little Kentucky justice on that coyote if mm-hmm. I ever catch Justified. <laughs> All right, Douglas from Warren County. Can can you use an air rifle to hunt turkey? Not in Kentucky. Yeah, I didn't no, you so. cannot. Some states have made it legal. I know Florida has Texas recently. Texas. Probably, I don't, I, know. I don't know. I see the videos of people hunting with air rifles, and it always seems like they're down south. Yeah, I, I think Georgia may have gone to that, but I know it's legal in Florida. But uh, we have no intention here. Yeah, I don't have personally. I don't have interest in that being legal either. I, I don't. I just mm. don't see. I don't want to lug around an air tank. Yeah, no doubt. While I'm hunting anyway, but AJ from Woodford County, why would a turkey be alone in an urban backyard? Uh, Turkey, right? (laughs) It's probably not a happy hour. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he's stumbling home from (laughs) corner bar. Yeah, no, his wife uh, kicked him out. (laughs) I think he's probably that the turkey, male or female, uh, is probably not as alone as it might appear. Mm. There's a flock nearby somewhere. That's a good point. Uh, The fact is, a lot of these neighborhoods they don't allow hunting. Birds get custom to people. I mean, this is real common in the Northeast. If I went to graduate school in New York State, Syracuse. Uh, some of my studies was up in Maine. I was through Vermont, New Hampshire a lot. Uh, in Massachusetts, in Massachusetts, they, I see stuff on the news a lot about turkeys in backyards and urban areas. I got my wife's got rel- uh, relatives in Rhode Island, and we had to slow down for a big flock of toms. That man, they you thought you would have thought they were pets. They're wild birds. They just get accustomed to people if they have no uh, no reason not to. If there's no feral dogs or Dogs running around in a neighborhood enough to keep them stirred up. and Plus, there's food there. I mean, people have back, backyard uh, bird feeders, and they'll yeah. ex- exploit that. So. Can't shoot them off that bird feeder, though. That's that's baiting. Hmm. That's right. <laughs> I would be very careful. So. Yeah, I guess you could archery hunt turkey in the urban setting. Uh, yeah. Again, if you can, as long as you're, there's no bait around, the, yeah. so you're safe if a CO were to get you. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there would be no... Unless there's a local ordinance or something, there's nothing well, on I'm, The way I understand it, the local ordinances are pretty powerless. Yeah, the way I, I understand I it, because of the right to hunt law, mm-hmm. or the right to hunt bill in Kentucky, the way I understand it is mm-hmm. that your right to hunt is a state-level right that everybody has, and it supersedes a local city or county ordinance. That's the way I understand it. They said you can get ticketed for it, but if you challenge it, that you win. That's the way it was explained to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might not pertain to firearms, but you have the right to bow hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've certainly bow hunt. I bet there's not a whole lot on the books for that. Let's see. Can Sam from Facebook, can you hunt turkeys on a freshly seeded food plot not intended for bait? It better be done true to agricultural standard. Yeah. So. Uh, to be a bona fide agri- Legitimate practice, agricultural practice. It's got to be, uh, you be able, better be able to find a uh, agricultural extension publication for your area that recommends seeding that crop at that time of year mm-hmm. by that method. 
you know, uh, sowing seed on the ground can be effective, but you better not just sow it up there and then claim that's a legit practice because, uh, you know, it's got to be worked in the soil for the most part. If you're in February, you know, people like to frost seed clover and things like that, but uh, by the time turkey season comes in, you wouldn't be doing that. So I'd be, you know, like I said, it's got to be a bona fide ag practice, so consult your UK Ag Extension publications mm-hmm. if you got any, uh, or, or call your local uh, ag agent in your county. They can give you advice on it and make sure you're all on the up and up. Well, my advice to somebody, and I'm not law enforcement, obviously, this is just advice. Uh, if you have to ask the question, then chances are I probably wouldn't do it. Because, I mean, if you are 100% doing, I mean, if, if it's agriculture. Yeah, you if you're seeding a pasture and you get a late start on, you know, this is the time of year to sow cool season grasses. Yeah. You know, really, it's better earlier, you know, late March, early April, but mm-hmm. rain obviously can hold you back. So you could be seeding the pasture down. And as, again, as long as it's true to agricultural norms, then you should be good. But usually that's going to involve disking it in, harrowing in, or cultipacking it in. And mm-hmm. just want to make sure you're doing it right so that if you get asked, you can show it's for, this is for a legit practice. So. Bill from Adair County says that he is 66 and he wants to know if it's legal for him to use a crossbow. Yeah, during spring season, yeah. Yeah. You can Mm -hmm. use a crossbow the whole time. Mm -hmm. Thomas from Shelby County, can you kill raccoons that are getting into turkey nest? Can you kill them Mm year-round? I I mean, that's not not damaging your property or your livestock. So no. Appreciate the sentiment, but yeah, yeah. not allowed. Yeah. The, the thing is, though, uh, if they're getting into turkey nest, that's not going to be year-round. That's going to be during a specific time of the year, right? That's right, yeah. What time yeah. of year is that? What time are turkeys on the nest? Oh, they'll start uh, They start being on the nest, meaning incubating. It'll probably be toward the very end of April or first part of May. So how does that work? Because so, um, tur- turkeys don't get bred all at once, right? No, no, there's a range so how, for sure. How, how does but, it work? How do they lay the eggs and go on the nest? And... So right now, you know, we've still, especially with this, the cold weather we've had, that's, that could have been having a little impact on the time of the breeding. Mm-hmm. It's, you, it's mostly daylight. You'll hear biologists say that a lot. It's photo period because mm-hmm. it triggers their uh, uh, pituitary gland to secrete some hormones that uh, is pretty consistent year to year because daylight, day length is consistent. Mm-hmm. But sometimes harsh weather can sort of delay the effect that, that those hormones have on the body and their willingness to breed. But once they once they start up, you know, like you were saying, that big flock of 100 with lots of gobblers, they're going to start to break up even more. And that, that'll help you realize that that's probably when a lot of the breeding is happening. Mm-hmm. And, and as I say a lot, that's kind of when we time our season like we do so that by the middle of April, a good proportion of the hens will have already actually been bred. And once the hen's been bred she goes off to lay, to start laying. Mm-hmm. And after she's bred, typically it'll take, you know, day or two. She'll, sometimes she'll, she'll go start uh, laying those eggs, lay an egg a day basically, and it usually takes them about two weeks to okay. lay their clutch of 10, 11, 12 eggs. And then once, they, once they've uh, laid them all, then they'll start incubating. And that's where they, uh, when they're just laying the eggs, they'll still be roosting in trees. They, they really don't want to draw attention to that nest. They go there, deposit the egg, and, and get away from it. Right. Once they start incubating, they're pretty faithful to it. And, and uh, so 
So they'll be on the, the nest itself incubating for about a month, 27, 28 days. Okay. And then, so it's not totally synchronized. There'll be some that are, you know, earlier than others. A lot of the later nesting that people observe, especially when, you know, they're taking that second hay cutting or something or, or first cutting and, um, you know, see hens out in the field there kind of after turkey season, uh, well after turkey season, that's probably because she lost her first nest and she's re-nesting. Okay. So. So are each of those eggs um, bred by the same tom? Can be. Okay. Usually, I would say usually they are. But, you know, she can uh, be bred by multiple gobblers, and I think there's a possibility that they can be. Okay. I, I probably would have to check for that. I do know that it's really neat. Uh, hens have these crypts. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's my phone. Sorry. Mm. That's how you know you're important when you have two phones. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Important. Um, they could actually That's why we have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's better off that way. Um, they can be bred by multiple gobblers, and they've got these what they call crypts in their uterus, mm-hmm. and so they can store that sperm. Okay. So that's they don't have to be rebred in order to relay if they lose their first mm-hmm. nest. That's so, something I found cool. out about bats the other day too. They can store their bred in the fall, and yeah. the female bat will literally store it. Delayed implantation is what they call yeah, it. It's kind yeah. of kind of interesting. That is fascinating. The, the reason I was wondering about that is because I think my that's where chickens and turkeys are different. Obviously, they have chickens, right? And I'm pretty sure that they lay a different egg every day from being bred differently, right? I'm not. I know you're yeah, not a chicken probably, I, I should know. <laughs> Honestly, I should know. I should. Uh, I think I that. Uh, kind of I mean, bad I for not. But. Trust me, you aren't going to make any money if you're being a chicken biologist. <sighs> well, yeah, you can't be any better than being a turkey biologist. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. Purdue Farms and some of those others that, employ. This next question actually has a lot to. That, you know, that's true. They probably, probably do, and they probably make a lot more money than us, actually. <laughs> Tyson and Purdue down there in Western yeah, Kentucky. That's right. Um, this next question actually has to do with something I think you just hit on. Tom from Jessamine County says, do large flocks break up as the season goes on? And that's something you kind of hit on, right? Right. They do, typically. Yeah, that's why. It's it's related to the breeding and basically the transition from the winter big flocking period to breeding. It's, uh, you know, it would not be advantageous to a hen that's just been bred and is trying to lay eggs in a real concealed place. It wouldn't be advantageous to her to have a bunch of turkeys around. Mm-hmm. So their natural inclination is to separate by that point. And not all hens get bred. Most probably do. But um, but they're going to separate. That's just kind of how they're, they've are they been designed over time, you know, to start spreading out. Just for safety. Yeah, and safety of them and the nest, I guess. Right. Of course, gobblers and will stay together, but it's much smaller groups than big winter flocks. Um, I think this next question actually has something to do with something you hit on as well. Tim from Caudill County: Do turkeys breed every day during the season, or just once or twice? Uh, big gobblers. I'm assuming is what he means. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's they'll different try for gobblers to, and hens. Yeah, they'll they'll try to they'll try to breed every chance they get. Hens, I. Wouldn't say they probably do. It, it's very possible she'd get bred multiple times, but probably not probable she gets bred every day. That gobbler's trying to spread as much of his genes as he possibly can. Absolutely. And yep. uh, that's where the competition, that's where they fight, everything like that, because a dominant turkey ought to get the genes spread. Mm-hmm. Right? No, they're definitely trying because they lose a lot of that that, uh, that breast sponge that builds up. It builds up so they don't have to eat as much because they're not going to. they yeah. got one thing on the mind. Hmm. Well, 
that leads to fighting. So I guess, you know, fighting could be a number two, but it's a distant second. <laughs> this, uh, this question here, I'm actually, unless you absolutely know the answer, I'm, I got something to say. Tim from Hardin County says, can a handicapped person get a pass to hunt turkeys from a boat? No clue. Okay. That's what I thought. And never that's heard of that is a never, never really. been here a long time. It's the first one I've heard of that. Well, that's not a, a question for anybody in this room, but if somebody has a question like that, they can call the info center. What's that number, Lee? 1-800-858-1549. 1-800-858-1549. And they can, I can't remember which, which option it is, but the information, uh, the info center, the information specialist there can get that question answered for you. So if somebody has a question like this, or there's been a few law enforcement questions, then they can call that number. If it's something we can't answer, then they can get an answer they just need to call. Right. And they can, they can get them the right one. So let's see. Trent from Hopkins County. What were the results of the tested birds from western part of Kentucky that swept in your net? Still, still waiting on final yeah, results. That's but, the same uh, thing that you were talking yeah, about earlier. Same thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, Gary from Metcalf. Is it legal to hunt out of a camo deer hunting um, blind? Yeah, I mean it's really as long no, as there's not a food, uh, not not a corn feeder out in front. That's of right. Yeah, yeah. Make sure that's all cleaned <laughs> up if you had any. Ooh. Well, this is something. Sydney from Marion County. What happens if you accidentally shoot two turkeys with one shot? It's called breaking the law. This is what that this is what happens there, right? I've heard COs answer that you should should call mm-hmm. and report that, okay. and your local conservation officer will handle it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the part of your responsibility as a hunter is not to do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? and yeah. The, ch- the times where that would accidentally happen should be rare. Yeah. yeah. They should be rare. I mean, I mean, it's no different than knowing your what's behind your target knowing mm-hmm. your target what's behind it i mean you yes it can happen but if turkeys are that grouped up don't shoot yeah that's, you it's know. your responsibility not to take that shot when you pull the trigger you're responsible for what happens when that shot exits that barrel so just be safe and i don't know how i guess i can see some 16 year old out there hunting by himself for the first time make a bad mistake because he hadn't experienced anything before but you know you ought to mentor people and Mm-hmm. If you're going to go hunting, you need to know the rules. And yeah, yeah, that's that's your responsibility not to do that. <clears throat> uh, this guy from Carter County. I killed a turkey last season, and it was full of worms. Is that a common occurrence? It's uh, if he means that he's been, it's been eating worms, so it's in its gut. Yeah. Then or or crop rather, crawl. Uh, that wouldn't be unheard of. Turkeys eat about anything you can imagine that's out in nature that's alive or you know plant matter uh small animal type stuff mushrooms and things so i mean yeah it's not unheard of at all i wouldn't say common but it, it wouldn't be unheard of i occasionally have creek rocks uh, leading from my driveway to my actual house and i'll sometimes have my turkey out there and i flip those rocks and watch them eat all those worms so i mean they love eating worms oh yeah but, but yeah. is there any kind of parasite that mm-hmm, does get in the breast meat uh not uh well they're Probably are. I've not heard of any in the breast meat. Okay. Uh, I'm sure people will claim to have found them. And yeah. There's certainly worms, intestinal worms, all kind of mm-hmm. sequel worms and things. Uh, but hunters shouldn't encounter those yeah. usually because they're going to be inside the intestines. And most people mm-hmm. aren't playing with that stuff. So. Yeah, no doubt. All the animals get parasites, of course. They just right? do, yeah. But mm-hmm. if you look at the meat, the meat looks good and you cook it properly, you've got nothing to worry about. Right. And that's pretty much true to all of our wild game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fish too. Yeah, dodging and dreaming too. I'm sorry, man. Exactly. I, I so need important. to silence it, but so no, you're fine. You can leave it on. Just letting everybody out there know how. What are you looking at, Lee? That might have been email. 
Uh, I think his computer should be off. Okay. Kyle from Laurel County. If you kill, kill <clears throat> if you kill a bearded hen, do you tag it male or female? Um, you uh, almost certain that the call flow when you call in, it will ask you uh, beard or not first, and so you would put the beard. It's still going to ask you the sex of the turkey. Yeah. So you have the opportunity to distinguish the two. Yeah. And, and even if I have that backwards, if they ask male or female, you should still say female. But it would still ask you for a beard because yeah. it's it's programmed to do that in the, in the spring. So I'm almost certain you'd, it, you would still be able to distinguish that it was a hen and that it had a beard. Yeah, that has to be right. Because I remember last year, like like you, I can't remember the exact flow of the of the telecheck. But I know that when I listened to it last year, I thought to myself, okay, that's how you do a bearded hen. And like I told you earlier, when I looked at the harvest numbers from last year, I was able to see how many bearded hens were killed. So that means that you definitely are able to tag it as a female with a beard. So, yeah. And just follow the call flow. Daniel from Clark County. Is it against the law to kill an albino turkey? No. Okay. Not during the season. By legal methods, everything else go. legal. Yeah, yeah. clarify. Be Kill super it. specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a sacred white buffalo or anything. Yeah, we here we are on what is today, March 29th, and mm-hmm. he goes out and he kills one in his backyard, and he says, "Well, I heard the biologist up there say that it wasn't illegal." And uh, yep. we got to specify. It's a mm-hmm. it's a wild turkey if it's if it's in the wild. So Indoor. don't don't assume that because it you you don't assume it's domestic or domestic influence because it's around farms. It's very possible it's a wild bird, and it, it better be during the season and it, by legal methods. So we got to cover our butts on this. We'll, we'll start saying yeah. uh, when somebody asks, is it legal to kill this? We'll be like, during a legal season, during legal shooting life. <laughs> yeah, we'll have this annoying preface. Not over bait. Yeah, you got to preface it with everything. Yeah. Um, can you carry a concealed firearm while turkey hunting? John from Williamston. Yep. I think that we get that question a lot about archery season. If people want to know if they can carry a handgun mm-hmm. while archery hunting. And I think that concealed carry laws probably apply there up until, is it July 1st that it's all going to change because of that new bill? Yeah, I haven't heard about the bill, but I I know I've heard CEO's answer that it's legal. I, I do think that new concealed carry bill goes into effect on July 1st. Hmm, maybe. Because uh, of a side conversation. I figure I'll start seeing, start seeing a lot more side pieces in public. Uh, mm-hmm. That'll help me know when it came into effect. Oh, I try to avoid the news one. It's going to be the ones you can't see in public. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Because I saw a guy carrying at Speedway. I went down there and got a Coke during right before lunch today, and there's this guy and there's open carrying. And I was thinking, here in a few months, it'll just be concealed carrying. Mm -hmm. Everybody will. But I mean, the best bet is just to get your permit because if you do want to concealed carry, it's not good when you cross the Ohio River. Yeah, you can't Mm -hmm. concealed carry there unless you actually have your permit. So, and you were saying something about avoiding the news. I literally got myself so ticked off looking at Facebook right before you no, guys walked I've, in here. I've, that's all it is, is a bunch of political. I've sworn off Facebook. I, I, in fact, I need to go and figure out how to close my account. I hadn't been on it in I don't know how long. So I'm, I'm starting a, a retro. Uh, you know, I, heard I this. just look at Chase's fish pictures and stuff and amphibians he's grabbed and all that. There you go. Yeah, it is neat. It really is neat to see people's, people that do cool things yeah. that are great people and, and keep up with them. But Facebook is a great just, social uh, device. I mean, to connect with people you actually care about and see yeah. cool stuff people's doing, but it's also a way to just get yourself distracted mm-hmm. and to get such a time and... waste. Yeah, I remember Andrew yeah. Luck, quarterback of the Colts. I hear the story about him. It's been a few years, so maybe he's upgraded now. But it was talking about how he doesn't have a smartphone; he just had a flip phone. Oh, I remember that. And I was like, 
Yeah, that's cool. You know, the mm-hmm. guy's got his priorities straight. And yeah, well, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> Jeff Brom up there at uh, Purdue driving a 2003 Honda Accord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He makes uh, what, $4.2 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's still driving his Honda Accord. I mean, Let's stick well, to those it, principles. Yeah. <laughs> still runs, you know. Yeah, I would, I would take a Honda Accord right now, save myself a little gas money. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm thinking that Andrew Luck still has a uh, flip phone. It's kind of hard to imagine with social media. <laughs> you'd think that he'd be getting, you know, PDFs. I mean, I'd like to have fit. one that you practically can't anymore. You know, Even if he doesn't. Left behind. He's got somebody close to him that does. His agent, mm-hmm. his yeah. his, uh, his peeps probably keep him informed on, on stuff. See, <laughs> I still use my phone to actually talk. I know that's to actually talking. Yeah. You mean not talking text? Yes. Please? I mean, I like that foreign using my verbal. You know, yeah, vocal cords and that whole you know interaction That's a thing. Lost there. Art. Yeah, I swear. Sometimes I'm around people that are a little bit younger than me, and I don't think there's a huge difference in me and younger people. But there is some. Because mm-hmm. like I've, I've said before on the podcast, you know, smartphones came out the year I graduated from high school. You know, I didn't have one until I was in college, so it's not like I grew up with one from the time I was 12 up. Where a lot of people now, I mean, those they've had those things in their hands since as long as they can remember, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I remember not having them. I remember my little Nokia flip phone and my little brick phone mm-hmm. getting wet while i was out riding my bike in the rain you know and stuff like that but mm-hmm. i'll i'll literally call somebody and people will look at me if i'm around younger people like what are you doing why don't you just text them like what well, i'd like to talk to bob you know like, i don't yeah. see what it's just easier i call my grandparents talk to them all the time they don't text so i have to do that but yeah well, i'll call my dad he'll call me back on my landline that's what we keep our landline i'll call him on my cell phone he'll call me back on the landline that's all my grandparents <laughs> <laughs> he's getting better he'll occasionally actually use his cell phone my grandparents only uh, use their cell phone when they leave the uh, the house so it's off if they're at home and they have their their home phone hmm. and if they leave the house then they'll take it with them and they'll turn it on they probably charge that battery once every six months hmm. yeah, that's all i gotta do I, honestly i think theirs is a prepaid phone i don't because i mean they talk on it so so rarely that they don't need a phone plan or anything but hmm. i don't know i can't imagine i'm obviously younger i can't imagine what it would be like to have gone your whole life without the internet or smartphones or any of that and then in the last you know quarter of it seen all the changes that have mm-hmm. taken place they probably know a lot more about the changes that have taken place than mm-hmm. i do for sure let's say i'll just knock out a few more questions then we can move on uh, is gun hunting allowed on kentucky river wma do you know that one for turkeys i'm assuming that's what he's talking about um i am pretty certain yeah, I'm trying to think of the list of, gosh, I knew I should have brought a hunting guide. I'm well, pretty sure online. it's not it. Yeah, I would check online um, uh, because, one, you can find the hunting guide there, and it will it will list uh, the different hunt, the regions across state, and it'll, it'll list the uh, exceptions for different areas. But uh, I'm pretty certain that there's not a restriction like there would be for deer hunting. If you're looking for a place to turkey hunt, I mean, honestly, WMAs are a great option. Mm-hmm. And there is, a, just go to fw.ky.gov. And uh, I think probably under the hunting tab, there's a WMA's option. I'm, it's not going to be hard to navigate. I don't have a computer right now. No, just it, from the homepage, just look for the maps okay. tab. It'll be kind of upper mm-hmm. upper part of the screen, kind of maybe below the logo to the right a little bit. And from there, you can either find uh, PDF static maps of the areas that have really good information, or you can, you can uh, do this interactive map where you can scroll around, zoom in, change photos and topo lines it's just awesome for that the uh what i was gonna I mean wmas are a great option mm-hmm. <clears throat> we were on a big rivers wma not long ago and i was actually blown away by i mean what it looked like out there to turkey hunt. it's right on the ohio river mm-hmm. so we saw all kinds of turkey sign we saw all kinds of turkeys mm-hmm. i mean those fields are 
farmed. I mean, not all of our WMAs are just grown up. I mean, th- this one has ag on it where a farmer goes out there and I guess they got a side lease to mm-hmm. crop the ground. I mean, there was winter wheat all over the place while we were out there. And mm-hmm. I mean, that might get turned over and he might plant soybeans or corn out there sometime pretty soon. But I mean, there's a good, I mean, there are missed opportunities in my opinion on WMAs all over the state. Yep. Got some good people manage them. Mm-hmm. Chad, now don't, don't quote me on this at all. This might be wrong, but off the top of my head, I believe Chad added up all the public hunting land in the state, which includes Daniel Boone and things like that. And I think it was nearly 2 million acres hmm. of public hunting land. And that might include like Revelation Coal mm-hmm. yeah. and, and those type Just areas. But Access, total access areas. Yeah. yeah, I think it was close to 2 million acres. It's a good question. Uh, don't I should have an answer for that well, too. Well, I'm not saying you should. I mean, I don't know who would. Maybe... Chris Garland would be the one yeah. I would think public lands guy. Yes, whenever yeah. I have but I mean, WMA questions, yeah, I go he's, he's talk to Chris. Yeah. But basically, I was just trying to say that there's a lot of opportunity out there. Sure. Even if I misquoted that number, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity. Right. <clears throat> Do you need a hunting license to hunt your own property? No. If you own it, if you own it, yeah. A yep. lot of people ask, "Who does need one?" Do you know the specifics on? Because it's like. If you own the property or is it like your, your, your kid, direct children mm-hmm. your direct and, and children. they live on the property too. And they have to so live basically there. if you, and tenants too, you correct. Out, once live, you move out, yeah, and the then tenants that live on the property. So if you live on and work that ground, okay. uh, you're license exempt, okay. you and your family. Uh, once that's over, you can't come back after you move away. No, and no, so you say you're, um, say you're, you own the property. It's your property. You absolutely 100% own it. Your kid lives there. He can hunt on that property. He moves out to go to college. Now he's living in in Moorhead, Kentucky. Your property's in Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. He now has to buy a license to hunt that property yes. because he doesn't live yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. And grandkids, we get that call a lot about farm ponds. Can I have my, you know, eight, 17-year-old grandson over to fish? Well, he's going to have to have a license if he doesn't live there. A lot of people think because they invited them, yeah. mm-hmm. they're license exempt. You're not. Do turkeys gobble better in the mornings or afternoons? Most gobbling is definitely in the mornings. I agree with that. Definitely. And I, I mean, do you think that you could have a bad weather day in the morning where it just kind of skies open up and it gets a little better conditions oh, in sure. the afternoon? But yeah, absolutely. Just in yeah, general, that, yeah, all conditions. Right. But on an average day, an average yeah. bluebird spring day, we all hope for turkey hunting on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely early in the morning. But I'll say this just because I've been reading some recent research that is really cool and Man, turkeys will gobble in the absence of hunting. So in places where hunting's not allowed, and they've, they've done some studies that show birds will gobble well into June. And this is in the deep south, where their breeding chronology, the timing, is mm-hmm. happens Early, earlier than yeah. ours, and they're still gobbling well into the summer. So if, if that's happening down there, you know that would happen here too. Mm-hmm. So that hunting definitely, definitely pressures those birds. And and then the removal of gobblers. You were talking about the shot goblin earlier. Well, when Tom and Dick get killed, Harry's probably not going to gobble nearly as much. Yeah, yeah. We, so. we had that happen to us last year on a piece of property. Yeah, and we had three come in together, and uh, oh no, it wasn't. Somebody was hunting about four hundred yards away from us, and they called in three gobblers and shot and missed. And then those gobblers, it was like they were locked up the rest of the season. Like they were, they'd been educated. Pretty mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Um, what was I? Shoot, you know, I just had something. It'll, it's like lost. When it, I, yeah. And I, then I lost the word I was going to say when I was trying to explain that it left my 
Like I had it on the tip of my tongue. All right, I just need to hit the reset button real quick. Are there more turkey mites on turkey than deer? By turkey mites, I'm assuming they mean the juvenile lone star tick. I have no idea. That's typically what people mean because there are mites, true mites, on turkeys, and most people are not talking about those. Um, so are there more on a turkey than a deer? I, I mean, like per square inch, I, I don't know that anybody's ever really looked at it. be hard to know, but they're on both, so the lone star tick, that is. Has the avian pox been found in turkeys in Kentucky? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. What yeah. is that? I have no... It's uh, caused by a virus, okay. and it's uh, very common, very infrequent, but common. So, in other words, it happens about every year, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be prevalent in any population. It can kind of happen a little more locally, but we had a had a case of that here a few weeks ago, honestly. What's the effect uh, it can uh, it can cause these lesions that build up on its face and scab over and you know its eyes and nose and mouth and it can eventually blind the animal, suffocate okay. it, and it becomes listless and won't move and will get picked off by a predator, or mm-hmm. hit by a car or something. So. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that, but <clears throat> so I mean, by pox, I'm assuming it has something to do with. Like it's like these big warty-like mm-hmm. gross nodule things. It's pretty gross. Uh, really, <laughs> sounds terrible. Yeah, no, it would be a terrible way to go. There's no. Sometimes it clears up. Uh, yeah. I, I've read that that it can do that, but sometimes it it won't. Sometimes it uh, just totally debilitates the animal. And, but it's not at a population level concern, I guess. All right. I think I'm going to move off these questions. This next one is, what are the rules on who needs a license? We covered that. Our turkey population is down in Pulaski County. Um, you said that there have been a few down seasons, but last year's summer surveys look good. Mm-hmm. There's one that I will ask you when you're ready. Sure. Uh, Jesse from Montgomery County, will we ever go to a one-bird limit? Uh, it's possible. It is I possible. Mean, it, it, I mean, I guess everything's depends possible. On, uh, there's a picture of it. Sorry, that's what I was trying to find on my phone. Oh, wow. Picture Ugh. of this thing. It's ugly. Yeah, that's... Uh, somebody could probably shoot. get an avian pox and see that. Yeah, you'll see pictures just like this. So did that one die naturally, or is that one that was taken for research? We we, we captured it and euthanized it, yeah. Okay. It was uh, it was in Franklin County. Well, we, we've, in Franklin. Had, we've had reports all over. So. Okay. Um, sorry, what was the question? Um, will we ever go to a one-bird limit? It's possible. I mean, uh, honestly... Um, if we were, if we felt like it was, uh, we needed to really back off harvest, or the commission wanted to reduce hunting pressure, then it's certainly something you can do. Um, overall, though, two birds is fairly conservative compared to some states. Yeah, so some states have four, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think the percentages of people who take two? Think it's pretty I think high. It's, no, I, I think it's. Uh, last time I checked, it's probably. Thirty percent, twenty five percent. I take one. It's really, not many. Pretty sure it's about twenty five percent they get they get to. Hmm. So, well, I mean, do you know what percentage of hunters with a permit are successful at all? Take one. No, we don't because we don't have a count of turkey hunters. The fact oh, that okay. sportsmen, the includes. fact you have sportsmen, mm-hmm. senior, and disabled license mean and landowners yeah. who are exempt mean that I have I do not have an actual total count of turkey hunters. Mm-hmm. 
which is a little frustrating because when somebody asks me that, I, I can't calculate it for them. Now, I'm starting some surveys, okay. and these surveys are meant to be to capture a representative sample of hunters out there, and from that, I'll be able to estimate success. But I just can't look at the at the telecheck numbers and compare that to an overall permit sales because so many people have switched to buying that sportsman's license now. I mean, since that became available mm-hmm. in, what year was that? Like, 04? Yeah, it was uh, early I mean, 2000s. The per- turkey permits have just went way down. Well, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. buy my turkey permit this year because I'm a sportsman's sure. license holder, and you have no idea because I'm a sportsman's license holder if I'm actually hunting them yeah, or not. Unless turkey hunters or deer hunters, you know, it'd be rare. That, and the landowner and senior disabled, too, really skews things. Yeah. So you kind of, uh, it would almost have to be almost like a hip survey type deal where when somebody buys mm-hmm. a license at all, right. you have to ask them. We've talked about doing them. something like that, yeah. But you anytime, get landowners, though. Correct. And that's uh, some states get around that, like Missouri has a $0 landowner license. Oh, that so you, you still have to have the license. It just doesn't cost you anything. So if you so got to get a number, landowner, that's pretty smart. I like that. It is, yeah. I wish that we could go to something like that, but that would be a big controversial change, most likely. And, a $0 landowner uh, permit, you think, would be something that would feather I don't know. I'm thinking probably so because people just are. They like to tend to be pretty, uh, uh, you know, whatever. They don't want the government on their back, and it just seems like extra. If they knew why we were trying to collect it, I dare say a lot more people would be okay with it. Mm -hmm. That's a common theme. It seems like, and I'm not trying to get controversial, but I'll get on Facebook, like we were talking earlier, and I'll see somebody talking about something that is going on with the department, and they'll have their feathers all ruffled. And I'll be thinking to myself, well, they just don't understand why this is happening. Like, if they did understand, well, they would realize that nothing to be ticked off about. But unfortunately, not everybody takes the time to do the research or can even be swayed that, you know, what they're reading or hearing is the truth. A lot of people want to scream conspiracy. I think I think that's just the default. A lot of people want to scream that. But my feeling is that that is still the minority people. Yeah. Most people probably, once they have a chance to think about it, to the extent they ever stop and think about it, or if they talk to a department employee, they're going to understand most of us are just like them. Yeah. We wouldn't work here. We wouldn't have gone to school for as long as we did to get paid as little as we do if we didn't absolutely love, love it. the tradition, pursuing the resource, sustaining the resource. Yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like you said earlier, Tyson Chicken probably pays a lot better. They probably do. That's right. So, you know, to sacrifice and, and work for the common good, this is a public resource. So, you know, we're not doing it just because of, of the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move away from those questions. We're, I wanted to talk about that rollover boat. And you're, you waterfowl, right, Zach? Very little. Very little. Very little, well, little yeah. Me. I did even, some in, when I lived in West Kentucky, but I just... Even I as a waterfowl thing. Even, even as somebody who doesn't really waterfowl hunt a lot, this rollover boat was cool to me. And have you ever seen one in action, Lee? No, I have not. Okay, so the idea is that, you know, in rivers like the Ohio River, the Kentucky River, logs are a common thing to see drifting down the river, mm-hmm. right? So birds don't get spooked by logs. And this is a boat, it's just like a canoe almost, that you go down the river in, you can have a motor on it, but you don't really ever use it because you just drift. And when the person in the front of the boat is using binoculars and they're spotting birds up in front of them. And then when you spot some ducks, you literally tip this boat on its side. I mean, you're about an inch and a half from taking on water, right? Mm-hmm. From it just spilling in. But the way the walls are built, it actually rides on its side just as smooth as it does when it's upright. And um, you get, you tip up on whichever side is going to hide you in the boat from the birds. And then you just drift up on them like a log floating down the river. 
And when you get close, you tip that boat over and you poof, poof, shoot when they go to fly. <laughs> I mean, it's a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. And seeing it in action, I was like, I, I would love to do that because it kind of combines my favorite things, canoeing and kayaking mm-hmm. and things like that, being on the water mm-hmm. with That's waterfowl nice. hunting. I, I thought it was really awesome when I saw it. I might take you in there and show you some footage. It's going to be on the show. But these boats were primarily built in Kentucky and in Louisville um, hmm. back right after World War II is when everybody was building them and using them. So, And I think that locks and dams kind of slowed down the river and made mm-hmm. it less effective. But mm-hmm. it's, it's a cool idea. See, I wanted to talk about that with you. I'm going to have to take you over there and show you that footage. Uh, fished Otter Creek and Floyd's Fork yesterday. Catch and release season ends tomorrow or the day after. Um, 31, yeah. Sunday. That's the last day. Mm-hmm. It's not really the catch and release. Except season. for Swift Camp Creek in the gorge, and it goes into May. Well, I think I said it wrong, though. Mm-hmm. It's not that catch and release season is over. It's that catch and keep season starts. Starts, yes. Because you can still release them. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes. So uh, catch and keep starts. And it's April 1st, basically, when you can start keeping the stock trout from the streams. And, you know, there's no sin in keeping those because uh, there's a great chance that they will not uh, make it through. Oh, yeah. I keep every one on my catch that's yeah. legal. I mean, you get some holdovers. You do. But by far and away, summer temperatures, and especially in the streams, get too warm. So Those trout are going to. The, the, but, you know, I did catch one in Floyd's Fork um, in July, <laughs> right right above the 64 Bridge when I was out on there, an inline spinner. When I was out there at Floyd's yesterday, somebody asked me if I knew where they stocked them out there. Mm-hmm. And he said that he had seen on the website where they had just stocked them the day before. So today's Friday, so Wednesday they would have stocked them there. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking they just stocked them three days before catch and keep season starts. I mean, get out there. Time and catch to get some. on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and catch some on April 1st, April 2nd, whenever I can. So let's see. Taylorsville Road is now reopened. Not Taylorsville Road. River, River Road, Road mm-hmm. on Taylorsville WMA. It's the one that parallels the Salt River. I've not heard any reports of white bass, but I've heard the crappie are binding in Taylorsville. But I've not heard of runs i would expect it to start soon though. i mean soon real soon because you know it was warm this last... this what um rain predicted could help well i was thinking you know it was warm last week but nighttime temperatures were still 25 degrees, i know 23 degrees it was 53 degrees this morning exactly so, so the so last that's few days help. it's warmed up at nighttime too so i got a feeling the water temperatures are probably rising much i've already been now. stocking my box with uh White grubs and some inline spinners and, you know. You know, I... uh I stick it down in my little satchel pack and bust them. I fished the farm pond next to my house the other day and leaned my rod up against the back of my Jeep. Mm. Done. You already know where that story's going, mm. don't you? Which I one? Your, your Fenwick? Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> got in the car and drove off and looked over and I thought, where's my fishing rod? And I realized it was laying in the driveway. And when I got home, it looked, it looked fine. I thought maybe I just ran straight. You know, missed it with the tires and picked it up, and sure enough, it was flopping in the wind. Mm. But, if you um, lose more than a couple of inches on it, people are always saying, "Well, I could put a tip on." It. You just lose all the the, the, yeah, the flexibility in the tip yeah. and the action. And then becomes a. It's like fishing with a broomstick. Yeah. yeah, I ran it over right in the middle. I mean, putting. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. You're beyond that. Yeah. But uh, luckily, I think I'm going to buy that new rod on Monday or Wednesday, or Monday or Tuesday of next week. Yeah, you too. I see you see Lee's, uh, Lee's excited. And uh, too. need to let Rick know too. So okay, I'll he's tell thinking him. about one. We're gonna we got me and Lee and I got Rick, Lee and myself have got some new tackle that we're gonna be purchasing next week and I'm excited about it. I've so. got my reel sitting there going, What are you doing? 
your reels wanting to yeah. meet his Put rod. me on the new rod. <laughs> I lubed it up, put a new line on it, and yeah. ready to slinger. So I can't wait to get out there. Um, some uh, a Central Kentucky Lake here, one of our smaller state-owned lakes, two seven-pounders caught this week. Yeah. Uh, they're up shallow. People are catching them on square wheel crankbaits, spinnerbaits, and jigs too. But, I mean, they're coming out of like four feet of water or less right now. You're talking so. about crappie? Uh, no, largemouth. Largemouth. Seven, seven two, pound crappie. That'd yeah. be a heck of a crappie. Yeah, that would be the state record almost doubled. No, <laughs> yeah. no two seven pound largemouths have been caught in one of our small state owned lakes that's in the periphery here of, of Frankfurt. So. You were talking earlier about um, people are catching crappie on Taylorsville. We actually did go do that recently. Um, and we, I mean, we caught some crappie. We caught some white bass in the lake, which told hmm. me that, you know, probably not ready to catch them. We, we're, we were catching the smaller male white bass in the lake, too. So I was telling me the, if the small I just hope I can catch it when the, the females move up because there's that glorious window. Yeah. Because you catch all those males and you'll catch 10 in a row and all, but man, there's that week and a half or so where those big fat females will move up. And that's what well, those you, are the fun ones. You can bet that I'm going to have my rod rigged up with a little white mm-hmm. uh, grub or a, a, a paddle tail swim. I egg. have the exact ones. I found a bunch of them that Chad used. The Charlie Brewer slider grubs? Yep. Yeah. And they don't make this particular one anymore. And I think that's what Chad was throwing on and Rick on No Lynn. If Chad sees those at the store, I mean, he literally just grabs the back of the peg and slides every package. Are they the crappie-sized ones Uh, that he gets now? I can't remember what size. I mean, they're like this long. Nobody can see that the audio doesn't translate. Well, they're probably just under two inches long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what. Inch and three quarters or something like that. But I can't wait. I mean. Honestly, I'd like to go catch a seven-pound largemouth or something like that. But when the white bass are running, oh, it's so much fun! Yeah, you ever go out there and do I that? I have not done that. Well, this I year, you ashamed to say, I would love to do it. I, in fact, we were turkey hunting. I was hunting with John Morgan last year, turkey hunting, and he had been he'd yeah. been out there uh, white bass fishing, talking about how much fun he'd had. Just on did he catch a him? He caught several. I don't think maybe it was a bumper day, but he had a really good time. I'm like, what in, am I missing here? Well, obviously, that time of year, you're pretty busy. Turkey season, yeah, coming up and going on, yeah. But um, still, part of River Road, however, washed out during the incredible flooding. So, I think that's between the the upper gate that's just off Forty Four and Palmer Road, yeah. in between there, that's closed down to, till they repair the road. That makes sense. I went down Palmer Road and parked at that parking lot about a mm-hmm. week and a half ago and went. But Zach, this year you got to go white bass fishing. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the run is on, it's a blast. Yeah, yeah. And Salt River is a good option for around here. I think you could probably catch them in Elkhorn or. Uh, I have when the, near the mouth. Yeah, anything upstream of a body of water, like a, a reservoir that holds white bass, is going to have a run. Though. Mm-hmm. And I think that I want to make my way down to Nolan this year just to get the best of the best. That the state That's the best run in the state. It might be. The, I mean, is there a state that have, <clears throat> excuse me, is there a state that has a better white bass run than we do? Oh, you know, white bass are weird. They're very cyclical. Mm-hmm. We're we're in an uptick right now in Kentucky, but mm-hmm. you know. They're really popular all through the South, so I, but you know, I don't know if we could claim that or not. But. Well, I hear so much about how this <clears throat> I'm choked up. How historic our uh, white bass run is. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you know. Well, the one on Harrington was, you know, it, it drew people from all the states around back in yeah. the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Well, I'm going to take advantage of it. You got anything else you want to add, either one of you? I'm choked up. I need to get a glass of water. <clears throat> so I'm going to jump off here, unless you guys want to keep going. Um, check out the Spring Fishing Frenzy on our website. Got, yeah, uh, got a new Leo. article you can see again today. A video of Lee on yeah, there. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I can't watch it. It just makes my skin crawl. <laughs> you know what you? You know I'm. I just can't watch myself when I've been on the television show. I have to sit in the 
kitchen and holler to my wife, how bad is it? <laughs> it just it gives you yep. it gives me the heebie jeebies. I'm yep. a professor, you speak in front of I know classes. I speak in front of hundreds of people all the time, doesn't bother me, but seeing myself on TV gives me the creeps. I don't That's know what it is. I think a lot of people feel that way though. Don't you know out of body experience makes you uncomfortable. Well, I mean Zach's on our live call on show, he's live, you can't even edit that. You know, he's he's gotta be on, on the ball there. I don't know if K T has a drop button. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I always, I, was, I think I told Charlie this a couple of years ago when I was on his show, but I, my mom worked for uh, WBVR, Country Music Station, Russellville, Bowling Green, when I was growing up. So I was around DJs and rooms like that a lot. And I used to, and I love baseball, so watching games all the time, listening to games when I can. So I always like to pretend, you know. Hello again, sports fans. <laughs> It'd be fun sometimes. That is funny. Hey, speaking of sports real quick, uh, tonight what games are there? Duke plays. Who does Duke play? Auburn plays North Carolina. Auburn, North Carolina, Kentucky, Houston, Virginia. Oh, I need a bracket. I don't have a bracket here in front of me. I know who I picked to win. I got Duke winning their game against, I can't remember who. I do have North Carolina winning, but I hope they don't. I hope Bruce Pearl and Auburn smacks them around a little bit, puts up 100 on them. And that game is one that could go, I mean. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked at the line right now, but I have a feeling it's probably in the 160s. Probably looking mm. to score 80 points or more apiece. Mm. Not like that horrible Virginia game. Or no, who was it last night that scored 49 and 53? Get, all, get out of here. <laughs> I don't want to watch that kind of basketball. Yeah. It's huh. old Digger Phelps era. Do you remember that? that that's yeah. my date dates me a little bit, but uh, my God, I remember one year. I think UK won thirty five to twenty eight. That's before the three point line. Yeah, that was before the three pointer shot and yeah. before the clock, uh, shot clock. Oh, so I mean, he, he just you get a two point. He would milk. Yeah, you just hold on to the ball. That's what Dean Smith would do. You get a ten point lead, go into the four corners, and just pass the ball and make possessions last five minutes. It was oh, excruciating. I'm glad the shot clock got rid of that crap. And the short and shot clock last year made for a better game, too. Mm-hmm. It's just going to keep you in faster and faster, and that's why baseball is going to suffer, Zach. I know you said you're a baseball fan. I'm sorry. Just, hey, they're trying. They're trying mm-hmm. to modernize things some new rules a little bit. So, and it's in, I kind of like the, the book, fact so. that baseball doesn't have time. You know, that one game could yeah. last a little over two hours, one could last four. said for that. It's a, just a totally different sport, you mm-hmm. know, because of that. It's like hunting. So, I mean, honestly, the only time there is that's true, shooting that's true. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're, you're just out there and... You know, it's a pace that you just got to get used to. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. I think it's healthy for everybody to go and chill. Somebody know, wants to be frenetic. Baseball is the most exciting 90 seconds anybody ever crammed into four hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so he said he, wanted, he likes watching the baseball. Uh-huh. That's yeah. very true. That's true. It's different playoff time. It's, oh, it's I, some I, drama then. I was yeah. talking to Chad about this yesterday, and I cannot remember. What, what's the long – he's got long black hair. He, he played for – who was it? Um – Astros won it two years ago or something like that. His name's like Tim Lincecum for yeah. the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Giants. I'm sorry. Obviously, I'm not a baseball guy, but I remember watching that game seven, and I was on the edge of my seat, you know, the entire game. And I was like, if all baseball could be that exciting to me, I would really, yeah. really be mm-hmm. into it. But I just feel like 160 games a year. I mean, they. I don't know. Like even NBA basketball. NBA basketball doesn't seem like it matters as much as college basketball and something it has something to do with 80 games versus 30 games mm-hmm. same thing for college basketball versus college football it seems like in college football every game is a big game mm-hmm. because if you lose one of them i mean there goes your playoff hopes you know that completely changes your season or there goes your chance to make 100 million dollars mm-hmm. like those pros do and maybe they have less incentive i don't mm-hmm. know i didn't yeah. say that but, but yeah. that's that's how it's it true seems to me. it seems like the less games a sport plays in a season the more meaningful and the more kind of exciting they are 
It's, it's yeah, it's a different pace though. But baseball, I don't know. They said I love your baseball on the radio. You do. You know, oh, it sounds. It's just the, the, yeah, the crack of the nice. bat, the murmur of the crowd just has a very that, unique, cool true. sound. It's but, just yeah, it sounds like, like summer. Marty Brenman or mm-hmm. Jack Walker. Is he Gary. retired? Is this his last year, Marty? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is his last. Yeah, from so. the Reds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know the thing about baseball announcers though. Does they give you more random information than anybody because they got to fill the time. They, yeah. they only, yeah, they got to be talking for the whole time, but they'll, you know, and here comes the pitch and it's a strike down the middle. And then they got 30 seconds to kill between mm-hmm. then and the next. What are they going to talk about? The, what's the, what, what foot the outfielder is using to kick dirt? You know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't like they have to give you so many stats and yeah. so much information. Their player pages. To say things about the players have to just be books. oh yeah mm-hmm. oh no baseball is fascinating the stats I mean and we yeah. go back over a hundred years well over a hundred years so I mean for for number nerds I'm a number nerd too yeah and it's awesome but that's it's why really, the really game cool. can't change that's why a time limit can't be put on it is because you have all these records and all these stats and if you actually change the you can't format, be changing it a whole lot yeah yeah yes, you invalidate all that yeah nothing would be relevant anymore the current players have like to putting play. a synthetic track at Churchill Downs you know. Mm. What would happen to secretary's records? What would happen to all the... Yeah, so that's why it can't be changed. But I do like the, the rule changes where I, I think the new rule changes are you can't visit the pitcher's mound unless you're making a change. Is that one of them? And something about stepping mm-hmm. out of the batter's box during an at-bat. Those are... The, I, I don't know the... Surely you're allowed more than one trip to the mound in an inning. Usually it's um, the second trip you have to remove the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Like in high school, mm-hmm. that would be the case. And you... You have to keep your technically. You're supposed to keep a foot in the box when you step mm-hmm. out with your foot and keep a foot in the box. Umpire can charge you a strike. If not, it never happens. And there's yeah. technically a time limit between innings, so you know you're supposed to get a minute swapping on and off the field, but nobody enforces it. But, no, they uh, are trying to speed it up a little. They bit. are. They're trying. But that's yeah. the same thing as doing with basketball. That's why you got the shot clock. Um, you know the. Yeah. Everything's just trying to move faster. I think it'll be good, but it's still not going to change the game. Yeah. They're not going to change it appreciably and. Hey, soccer's going to overtake it all anyway. So. You think so? I, I do. Think so. Eventually. Yeah, well, eventually. we do have Louisville FC doing really well right now. Mm-hmm. We got a, we got our hometown soccer team, and all of a sudden it's one of the most popular sports. And, and yeah, and I'm talking down the road. It may not be instant. We Maybe 100 years, but it'll it'll overtake everything. I might be just a, too young or something, but I, I like sports that score more than three. Three over the course of the game. You know, I like mm-hmm. to see scoring possessions. And what was that? I mean, I, even in football, sometimes football, I mean – Defensive play is going to be good, but I like to see some scoring. You know, mm-hmm. so Oklahoma last year was fun to watch, and Alabama was fun to watch, and mm-hmm. Lamar with, I mean, Louisville with Lamar was fun to watch. And mm-hmm. That's why Virginia is not a fun to watch basketball teams because they don't score the ball. But anyway, we've gone long enough. We are not a sports talk show. We'll try to get that in this time. <laughs> oh, can I just day. say my favorite player, Don Mattingly, from growing up, oh, Evansville, yeah. Indiana, just across the river. So I was YouTube, and he was on Dan Patrick's show. Oh, it was great. You know, it's just neat to see guys you grew up with and uh, just chatting, you know, chatting it up about stuff. So that's this, this makes reminds me of that. So it's all <laughs> Florida Derby is Saturday, and then Bluegrass Stakes right. is the Saturday afterwards. So Derby time is that. right on the right on the. That's always opening horizon. Turkey season, isn't it? Uh, be April the thirteenth this year. Derby on a Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. The Derby's on Derby's May fifth, first Saturday in May. First Saturday yeah. May, so. so obviously I'm a horse. Into turkey season, season. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I know it's during turkey season because I'm always out there. Yeah. Well, wait, when's Thunder? Thunder is a couple. Of, Thunder yeah. is opening weekend. Yeah. Uh, 
Because yeah, I was thinking to myself, I'm always turkey hunting when those planes are doing their flyovers mm. in Shelby County, their practice runs before they Maybe actually. Maybe you'll get, get some shot going. Well, I mean, that's it's happened in the past. <laughs> I'm always thinking to myself, should I be at a <laughs> the drum sound effect? We didn't have it. Yeah, yeah, we need yeah. a we need a rim shot. But all right. right, let's get off here, guys. We've talked enough, and we all have things to do. It's actually it's getting late. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm. Thanks, I, hope, I hope the sound quality is better today. No problem.